Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what's astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we are preaching. And full disclosure, we did not take a walk today because I had a funeral and I am in heels. So I don't know what's going to happen. We have not had our precursor conversations. But um, Hinton, what is astonishing you? I'm astonished by, um, and I'm an, a little embarrassed uh, because I probably shouldn't be astonished by what I'm astonished by today. And that is um, a kind of, well, not kind of, it is a, a spiritual warfare that I feel like I'm in the middle of. Um, I should not be surprised that back in December or no, late November, I discerned that our theme for 2019 was going to be joy. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of 2019, I don't feel very joyful. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. struggling. I'm tired after all of the holiday services, the traveling I love my family, but I'm tired. And um, <laughs> we should have a T-shirt. I love my family, but I am tired. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should not be surprised that the enemy of our souls said, "Oh, he's talking about joy. Well, let's see about that." And I need to probably have my mind set that this is probably going to be um, something I'm working on all year. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm surprised that I didn't see this coming. Uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, yeah. in a like some whole depressed, but I'm 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 struggling. Well, and I do think it's helpful to sort of lead the way for your congregation to be able to say that. I mean, joy is easy when mm. our lives are filled with lots of good things and joy is still possible for us, even in the midst of a lot of struggle, and even when our feelings don't lead us there. And mm-hmm. and I, I think to be able to experience that and name that and disclose that to your, your congregation is really helpful, because a lot of people, you know, they feel sad, and then they feel like they should have turned off their cell phone ringer. <laughs> <laughs> but they feel sad, and then they feel guilty on top of it for not feeling joyful. And joy isn't a feeling primarily it's a it's an act of submission and remembering Mm -hmm. and intentional gratitude and that um so i I think that's actually probably really a great gift for your congregation that you can go in that first and be leading them through it good luck with that yeah well well, it, it will i think um inform shape my preaching. Well, because I think so many people think like, yeah, Christians are going to be joyful because nothing bad's going to happen to them because they're going to figure out the magic prayer formula yeah. and then they're not going to get sick and yeah. they're going to be rich and they're going to be whatever. Yeah. And of course they'll be joyful. And obviously that's a huge lie. And the reality is all the bad things that happen to people happen to Christians yep. and Christians suffer just like non-Christians, but we can have joy not by avoiding that, but in the midst of all of that. And that's the proclamation and that's the miracle. And that's yeah. Yeah. where we got to come from. Everybody wants joy from winning the lottery. That's I, right. Yeah. The question uh, is, how do you have joy even as you're getting evicted or even as you're getting the diagnosis? And yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's where the glory is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's astonishing you? Uh, well, you know, I am, I'm also tired. I am grateful to be sort of resuming ordinary life, um, this week. And we've had a lot of, um, services cause we had our first watch night service. Um, and then we had a funeral for really 
um, just beloved, wonderful woman who died super unexpectedly the week before Christmas. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about astonishment is a, it's a choice. It's a choosing to notice Mm -hmm. and, and to have reverence towards the good things in life that I think the larger culture would say are irrelevant or not, Mm. you know? And so I, I just am astonished and am naming the glory and goodness in God of God in the way that I've seen the community of this congregation gather together and love one another, not just, you know, Christmas Eve in the, you know, sanctuary with the candles and, Mm. you know, around and that's beautiful, 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 but also, you know, coming out on New Year's Eve and to see, honestly, what was so great is we talk a lot about the Grove is a place where, I mean, everybody here could be somewhere easier, Mm. right? Like (laughs) there's just a million, everywhere is easier than the Grove. Like, I don't Mm. think it's better, but I think it's easier. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the folks who are African-American and that's part of their tradition and to come out to our watch night service is a sacrifice, right? Because we don't know what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go to a better show if you go somewhere. I'm not saying that other places are a show, but I'm just saying like, and then, and then for the white people in my congregation who show up for that. It's like such a... It's a new thing. It's a huge new thing. And I just am so um, like honored at people in the congregation who would come and do this thing that's not polished yeah. and not pretty and not easy, mm. but on the chance that it's real, you mm. know? And I just think sometimes we do things and I, as the pastor, feel like I'm just like so far out over my skis, right? Like, I just feel like we need to do this, but I don't know how to do this. And I feel like an idiot, but like what other choice is it than that? And so I just, I'm just so grateful that there are people who, who show up and, and then, you know, we just had this funeral this morning and, um, just marveling that, you know, the people who showed up Mm. to thank God for Hattie's life and to surround her family, with songs of praise and just to make beauty not instead of, but in the midst of the reality of death and to say mm. like, we knew her and we loved her. And, and also just, you know, somebody else was talking about like, there are a lot of white people out there giving thanks for this woman's life that the culture would say, y'all shouldn't know each other. Right. Mm. Like mm. You, you shouldn't. Wow. And I just feel like that matters so much that we, have a friendship and a real connection and that we, so I don't know. I just, I don't want to take that for granted um, because it's, it's beautiful and it's a sign and it makes me hungry for more. And and I'm just so grateful for this community, you know, willing to be in an hard, awkward place together and willing to love one another. And then the Holy Spirit really does show up and craft something out of that, you know, vulnerability and submission. And so I'm, I'm tired and I'm grateful (laughs) and I'm ready for ordinary. I was going to say, I know about the fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. And so what are you, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about in in light of what is astonishing me, our, um, our vision for this season is, is to become a church that is energized and driven by joy. Our our theme Mm -hmm. for 2019 is 52 weeks of joy. Our yep. mantra this this year is choose joy, and uh, so I just feel like I'm in this place of I have no control of other people's joy, and yeah. yet I have influence. Right, I, I don't have control, but I have influence yeah. by my own um, 
discipline of seeking to keep my tank filled and how I how I lead. Well, and what you um, said earlier about like what we enjoy shapes us. Because yeah. I feel like for me, for many of us American Christians, we we have to learn to take joy in different things. Mm. And so not not us, obviously. Well, but <laughs> of course not. <laughs> other people. But like like helping your congregation, helping our churches to figure out like what what is cause for joy in our midst and it's here, but we just have to be able to see it and name it and choose to rejoice in it as opposed to what's not here or what yeah. Yes, because when you're a church of less than a hundred in a city with several mega churches, it's very easy to look out and say, Oh, if we only had this mm-hmm. or that and this much money and so many people and um and lose sight of what God is doing at Dorita Church in the well, midst of our people. And I think the reality is like there's the thing and then there's the appearance of the thing, mm-hmm. right? And so like you can look at other churches and just assume that there's lots of joy in these places because the youth program is this big or the building looks like that or the you know the mission program is this and I mean we don't know. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, if we were at that one um what you call it global leadership summit a couple of years ago with the um guy who said, you know, we're ridiculously in charge. I mean, we are ridiculously in charge of our communities, of the culture we're creating and of what, where we Mm -hmm, look mm -hmm. for joy. And, you know, we, we may, we can certainly give it even no matter how we're feeling it. Right. And I think that's just a huge challenge for us to say, we are responsible for our, for our joy, for, for finding joy in the things of God instead of asking God to give us things that we decide will make us joyful. Yeah, and what I'm coming to see is that the way we are not only organized, but our calendar moves us away from the joy that we're hungry for. So um, a couple of years ago, I was pastoring another church, and a small Ethiopian congregation asked to rent space. Mm-hmm. And so the elders asked for their calendar uh, to see if mm-hmm. it was possible. And uh, their calendar, and it was something like Wednesday or Monday night Bible study, Tuesday night prayer meeting, Wednesday night something else, Thursday night late night prayer meeting. And they just had all of these things. Um, and it it was it was so different than our calendar because we were about uh, committee meetings, board meetings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they they were so um, they were about the joy of the Lord. Excited to get together, yes. Mm-hmm. And for us, we could see that our own calendar moved us away from seeking God, seeking His presence, being with mm-hmm. each other in a way other than business. Right. Well, and the, I mean, the Scripture says the joy of the Lord is supposed to be our strength, and I do think that that's. Uh, again, as Americans, we feel like we can find our identity and our peace and our Sabbath based on what we've accomplished or what we've what we've done. And so we look for joy by, oh, I'll be joyful when we built that school in Haiti or yep. uh, not, there, there's yep. nothing wrong with that. But, but but we're trying to earn or achieve our joy mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. receiving Receive it. it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we would receive our joy from the Lord, we would find it a lot easier to live in the kingdom and to joyfully obey the teachings of Jesus, yeah. and we would release yeah. actually a lot of mm-hmm. gifting and power and energy mm-hmm. for mission mm-hmm. if we put the joy of the Lord before mission instead mm-hmm. of 
Yeah, it's almost as if we feel like we need to justify our existence for for being here before we can enjoy God. And well, that's I mean, we on Chris, New Year's Eve when I was preaching and our word of the year is small. So I don't know what our tagline is. Think small. <laughs> um, but and we were talking about, you small know, small is the new big. I don't know. <laughs> not going to do that one. But um, but we were talking about. All these sermons are are running together. Oh, a whole generation coming up and not knowing the Lord. Right, mm. that passage from Judges and and the the piece right before it talks about God calls them and says, "Hey, I gave you this land and I told you to tear down the altars and yeah. you didn't do it." Yeah. And and then and then that generation died and a new generation came forward and they didn't know the Lord. And I'm so tempted when I read that to just be like, "Okay, skip that thing about the altars. Let's just do this new generation thing." But I realize you know, no, there's, there's not very many, I don't think there are any accidents Mm -hmm, in scripture. And mm -hmm. so if these two pieces lie next to each other, Mm -hmm. they, they inform one another. Right. And so I was just thinking about like, you know, God had done such big things for the generation of Joshua. You know, they, they had seen, they weren't there, but the, the parents were freed from slavery and they water from a rock and manna and, you know, pillar of fire, pillar of smoke and all these big, huge things, the dividing of the Jordan river. And they had gone into the land and they'd Mm -hmm. marched around Jericho and they'd Mm -hmm. seen it fall, like all these big things that God had done for them that they had done with God. And then the small thing Mm -hmm. of tearing down the altars that they didn't do, why? It wasn't that they didn't believe God. It wasn't that they weren't interested in relationship with God. Because when God showed up and said, why didn't you throw, turn down the altars? They wept, right? I mean, so right. they were sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although they didn't repent, but they did weep. And I just thought it's interesting that like we don't want to do the small things mm. because we decide the small things aren't important. And just what mm. we were talking about before, like it's not our job to do big things. God yeah. does big things. Yeah. And we do small things, trusting God. And, you know, and the kingdom is made out of mustard seeds and yeah. yeast and, yeah. Yeah. you know, finding one lost coin. Like mm-hmm. we do small and when we do small, God can do big things. But when we are determined to do mm. big things for yeah, God, yeah. you know, that's when our pride and our hubris, that's when yeah. we fill our calendar so full doing big things that we don't have time to worship. Yeah. We don't have time for Bible study because we need to get things done. Prayer meeting, what's that? I mean, it's amazing to me how many of our flavor of churches don't have prayer meetings. Yeah. Because why would we want to get together and pray? Let's get together and we do got, something. We got stuff to <laughs> we got do. got stuff yeah. to do. It's because we don't understand our job is small and our strength is the joy of the Lord. And anyway, that's, that, that's me taking over your, no, it's <laughs> what all good. I'm thinking about. So, so what are you thinking about? Well, I, I, we were talking earlier that I'm, I read an interview that Jerry Falwell Jr. gave, um, which was astonishing, not in a good way to me. And I, I do feel like it's just important to name mm. what is really incredibly blasphemous mm. theology from a person who I believe is my brother in Christ. Mm. And I believe, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm, I have nothing. I don't, I certainly don't stand in judgment against him, but I do think that it's important to name, um, falsehoods mm. when they're out there. And, you know, in this interview, he was, talking about how Jesus came to teach us how to live in the kingdom of heaven and that as far as the country was concerned, that's the kingdom of this earth Mm. and that we shouldn't be trying to apply the values of the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of this earth. And, you know, the one particular example he gave was, you know, he was tired of hearing Christians um, quote Jesus saying, suffer the little children come unto me 
as a justification for how to handle the children at the border. And he, and he said that was what Jesus said for our personal lives. It's not what we should be doing as a nation. God isn't interested. You know, Jesus wasn't interested in telling Caesar how to ro- Rome right. and, all, you know, and just, um, and it's just not the truth of scripture at all. And, you know, the reality is that the whole first half of our Holy Bible is God in the business of nation building, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the point of the people mm-hmm. of Israel, not to have personal relationships with God and enjoy special status, but to live as a light to the nations by yeah. a different yeah. way. And, you know, the deep failure that came from the people of God in the chosen land, mm. choosing to live like all the other nations to try to acquire power in any way. And I just, I'm I'm just thinking a lot about how to name that and and how to give people the biblical the sober biblical knowledge they need to be able from a place of humility but also mm-hmm. deep certainty to be able to say that's not true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also to to pass on the culture war because no matter who the person saying the untruth is they're not my enemy right. um but this ideology is a power and principality of darkness and the ideology needs to be resisted. And then just the reality is it's not enough for us to say that's wrong. What we need to do is the deeper, harder work of saying, here's what we believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what we, what we stand for. And to have our communities, our local communities where we are ridiculously in charge have to model that in real ways. Um, so I reading that article about, you know, he is teaching that the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with the kingdom of earth. And then I'm getting ready to preach this Sunday, um, a new sermon series called Resolved we're fighting for about how we as a church are an outpost of the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. and how that doesn't just spontaneously happen, yeah, that yeah. that's something that we fight for, but fight for with the weapons of the spirit. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to use the passage um, that in all the gospels report that Jesus began his preaching saying, um, you know, here's the good news. The kingdom of God is near mm-hmm. <laughs> repent and, and um, believe the good news. So, Jesus is showing up in the world saying, hey, (laughs) the kingdom of God is near to this world right now. Repent from your old ways of living and believe the good news. And here's this new way of living. And, you know, to say we need to understand that there are heavenly kings and there are earthly kingdoms, but God is involved in both of them and sovereign over both of them. Mm -hmm. And we as believers don't just get to say, these are my spiritual values, but now I'm in my earthly realm. So I can do whatever I want Mm -hmm. and doesn't matter to God. I can just look out for me and mine. And that's just not the kingdom. And and the church really rejected that thinking early on um, in the early centuries of the church as a kind of dualism that, you don't find in scripture, if the word became flesh and dwelt among us, as we just celebrated at Christmas, then there, there isn't a place where we can say, well, where the, the word of God, um, uh, the, the theology that we hold, um, doesn't apply. It's like, here's the line. Right. It belongs over there, not over here. No, it speaks to all of life everywhere. All the time. Well, the earth is Lord and everything in it. And I, I mean, I think that Christians can have lots of different opinions, faithful opinions about how 
to live out the common good for other people. And and people Christians can have lots of different opinions on like what border security should be and what is the best financial system that will bring the greatest good to the great. I mean, there's lots of room for diversity of thought and opinion. But when a Christian leader stands up and says that the values of the kingdom of God don't apply, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that Christians don't have to care, mm-hmm. care, carry them into our earthly transactions. That's just not true. Yeah. We can debate about how to do it, yeah. but we can't just make the scripture. I mean, there is an objective truth that mm-hmm, the scripture testifies mm-hmm. to it. And it's that God cares about the kingdoms of this world and that we are called to be salt and light. And the way that Jesus calls us to live has radical implications for our earthly lives. And so I just, I'm thinking about him and how to respond and how not to fight the culture wars, but also how to speak the truth of what the gospel, because it, because it's terrifying to me to hear the, uh, such a revered leader and a spokesperson for Christianity who's speaking, not just to Christians, but to Mm non-Christians declaring, Mm -hmm. oh, God doesn't care how you treat widows and orphans and strangers and immigrants, you know. Well, and wouldn't someone like, Bonhoeffer say that's that's just cheap grace. Yeah. You can say God is good to me because I believe certain things, but I can I can act in any way I want to, and it doesn't matter. Well, right, and if he's essentially saying, which he does in this article in the Washington Post, people can listen to it. He says, "Whatever is good for the nation, God's good for that." Yeah. So then, if what's good for the nation is slavery, yeah. then that's cool. Or if what's good for the nation is another genocide, then that's cool. I mean, that's just not. That is not the witness of scripture. And I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not outraged. I just, I want to soberly respond saying, you know, I don't want to burn him in effigy. I don't hate him. I don't, whatever. But we do as believers need to be able to say, that's not true. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. here's all the abundance of witness of scripture that God does not call us mm-hmm. to bifurcate reality mm-hmm. in that way. So... That's what I'm thinking about and what I'm preaching about, twofer. <laughs> what about you? You got anything else? Well, I'm uh, going to preach on John 15, Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, um, and uh, Jesus, Jesus being Jesus big, we little. Yes, and uh, that he's the source of joy, right, mm-hmm. unless we stay connected to him. But I'm seeing something, because um, I think we talked about this text a couple months ago because you were preaching it. And I'm seeing something new in it that I've never seen before. And I've preached this several times, this text, but I'm seeing this for the first time. Um, There's a place where Jesus says, um, if you abide in my word, then you can ask for whatever and it'll be done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing those two things together in relation to joy. And it seems as if Jesus is saying, if you abide in my word, then that will begin to shape what, what you, you ask for. What you ask for, yeah. it'll be in line with my will. And so you will see answers to your prayers mm-hmm. that are positive, and that will bring you joy. Because, yes, because what you'll be asking for is, say, the strength to persevere in the midst of suffering. And you'll be able to be abiding in the word to such an extent that, like Paul, you can say, I have learned to be content yes. in plenty yes. or in want, yes. or whatever yeah. else he actually said. And then <laughs> the next section, Jesus says, if you abide, remain in my love, then you will obey me. And mm-hmm. so in in loving him and being loved by him, our affections are shaped in such a way that we we love to obey, and that also brings us joy. And so I'm seeing that 
what Jesus seems to be saying in the text is that that joy is this this real experience that the believer has of abiding and seeing some things happen for us. Like mm-hmm. if I abide in the word, something about the way I pray changes and I see God do things and that brings me joy. Yeah. If I know myself to be loved by him, love him in return, that will cause me to to see my own behavior change and that brings right. me joy. Well, and if you if I'm saying God teach me to find my joy in your love for me and in my love for you, then that means that no matter what is happening in the world or in my life, that I mean that's when we studied first Peter together. Like the, the huge thing is like when he's saying to the people, like when you get arrested mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you're about to mm-hmm, be martyred, mm-hmm. always be ready to have an answer for the hope that is within mm-hmm. you, an answer with gentleness. And he's saying, like, your joy isn't whew, missed it this yeah, time. Yeah. Your joy is such that when you're standing there in shackles and they're mm-hmm. about to cut your head off, you're singing and praising God because you know that what you have with God through Jesus is not going to be lost in right. this moment. Right. That what you what brings you most joy is not at stake. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when we need certain things in order to feel like we have value, then our identity and our lives are at stake every single moment. But when we learn, and I think we it's only grace, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like spiritual wisdom. You either right. get hit by the grace stick or not. Right? But I mean I just I mean I think that's important to yeah, say. Yeah, like no yeah. spiritual pride about it. But you know, when you receive that gift because mm-hmm. you ask for it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let my joy mm-hmm. be complete. If yeah. your joy is complete in me, then let my yeah. joy be complete in you. Yeah. When you receive that spiritual gift, then you really are free yeah. no matter what. And um anyway, so I yeah. So our our point I think this Sunday is gonna be about cultivating this joy and it's simply about cultivating a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Abiding in the word, loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus. Again, you quoted earlier, in his presence there's fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. So if 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 by simply cultivating this relationship we cultivate joy, why wouldn't we be all about that. Well, because I just think a lot of times we want Jesus so that, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. I want Jesus so that my Mm -hmm. kids will behave, or I want Jesus so that my marriage Mm -hmm. will be fixed, or Mm -hmm. I want Jesus Mm -hmm. so that I can grow the church, or I want Jesus so that somebody will think that I'm a good whatever. And, you know, it doesn't work that way. Sadly, not sadly, actually, it's great that God will not let us be satisfied by those false altars, right? Mm So if I want Jesus, because I was created mm-hmm. to enjoy God, to glorify God and enjoy, enjoy. him forever, yeah. Yeah. then then my joy will be complete in Jesus just as his was complete. And so us. we'll be asking throughout the year, what if we became a church that is driven not by duty mm-hmm. or survival mm-hmm. or even growth? Right. What if we're driven, energized simply by the joy of the Lord? Mm-hmm. And I think for us that that's revolutionary. Well, and that, you know, brings me back full circle to where I started. Like I sound so strange to say it, but I love funerals. Mm. I I hate death Mm. um, and I hate losing people we love, but there is no greater thing in the world Mm. than to be able to meet people in the place of deepest grief and despair and say, Hey, this is not the end. Yeah, and this yeah, person who yeah, isn't here yeah. isn't lost to you. Yeah, and yeah, God yeah. 
God's love is eternal and you can't trust your faith, but you can trust God's yeah. love. And yeah. that, I mean, just to see how it doesn't make the sadness go away. It doesn't erase the pain, nor should it, mm. but it meets the pain with a joy that doesn't deny the pain, yeah. but isn't overshadowed by it either. Like I don't have to be happy to be joyful. Right. And that I think is the mm-hmm. huge trick. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not against happy. <laughs> Just <laughs> let me be clear. <laughs>